Welcome to Uninterrupted. We're on a mission to unlearn and learn about all things fashion, retail and tech from the best in the industries. Hop on and be part of our journey as we unleash these gems for you. Today I'm in conversation with Palak Shah, the force behind India's first handloom luxury brand, presenting the finest work of Banarsi art from the Indian craftsman repertoire Ekaya. Palak graduated from King's College in London with a business management degree in 2012. She came back to India and set out on a quest to marry the conventional and modern ideas around Indian textiles when she launched Ekaya. Palak, welcome to Uninterrupted and I'm so glad to have you on air today. Hi, I'm so glad to be here too. Before we dive deep into this conversation, how's everyone doing? I mean, it's it's like the most obvious question right now, but is everyone <laughs> around like well and safe? Everyone's well so far. So far, so good. Um, it's just like dodging the pandemic and the virus as much as we can. But we're trying to be home, trying to work from home, trying to be as safe as we can, upping our immunity, and yeah, riding the wave. <laughs> right, you know, it's a, it's almost like we fought through the pandemic last year. We like fight it and then fight it and fight it again, and now I'm just oh, yeah. like, we're back just to have it. the courage to like just endure this you know no I feel like the pandemic has started all over again and in, in like a whole new way I feel right. like last yeah. year you know we still sort of like saved ourselves I feel a little but like this year has just been the real deal talking about business let's just dive huh. in um, <laughs> I was reading up about the history of the brand and it envelopes almost 120 years of legacy being carried forth across four generations of your family and a community of over 10,000 weavers, you know, pitching in. So tell me about your first few years when you stepped into the world of textiles. Um, You know, I always tell people I'm actually an accidental entrepreneur. Um, So I actually never planned uh, to run a kaya. I never sort of joined the family business. Yes, I've always grown up with textiles around because, you know, being super close to my dad and his brothers, I've always sort of accompanied them to work every now and then. So I've always sort of like known what textiles are all about, what this business was all about, what were good color combinations, and what were bad color combinations and what even was safe but I never really knew what the details were and I was in London and I was studying business management as you know and I actually wanted to sort of get into you know accountancy and finance uh, there was a point time I really was pursuing CA very very um, strongly as a career path because my mom really wanted me to do that and uh, come my graduation we were all scrambling to get jobs and, you know, we were just sort of like trying to figure out what we want to do. Uh, because, of course, getting a job in the UK is very, very difficult. Um, yeah. I'd come back home to Banaras. Uh, my dad actually lured me to come back home to Banaras. I think he wanted to spend time with me. And then he just sort of uh, put Ikaya on a bait and he said, hey, do you want to join my business instead of like scrambling for a job and looking, you know, looking for it and running around internationally? And which actually, you know, as like most parents do. And I remember my graduation was in October and I'd come back in June or May. And I was like, you know what, I don't mind sort of giving it a hand. And like, I totally thought that I was going to go back in, you know, the month of like October and go there. Um, so I just, so I was like, you know, sure, I don't mind joining you. And, you know, we worked together for a month. Absolute chaos. Absolute, absolute chaos. <laughs> Because, you know, I mean, because, you know, when you work with someone so strong and with such strong sort of uh, opinions and like such strong career history, it's very difficult for you, for your thoughts to go on if you're a strong person as well. And which I was, I've always been a strong opinionated uh, person. So then I told him and I was like, you know what, I'm going to go to Delhi and I'm going to work on my own. And, you know, sort of figure out. And then Ikaya was just about starting up 
starting then, like Ikaya's store was getting made, the brand was getting planted, etc. So I moved to Delhi, a 20-year-old girl, turned 21 with Ikaya. I moved to Delhi and then I just was, I was like, you know what, I was like, you know, this is what I'm going to do. And uh, I started doing it and then, you know, I never looked back. One thing just led to another. Amazing. And you know, um, where Kaya is today, it's phenomenal. So congratulations on your journey. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. The one aspect I loved most about the brand was how, um, you know, Weaver-centric it has been um, in every term. So the vision, the mission, the end product. And through these years, this is something that has remained consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, so would you be able to like give us a little more insight on how you've been able to deeply root this philosophy into the brand? Um, you know, to be very honest, um, what we do is is by the weavers, right? What we do is by the weavers, for the weavers. And, you know, it is the weavers, actually, everything that we do. But what we try and do as a brand very consciously is not make it weaver-centric. So, you know, most of the brands in India are very centric on showing the pitiful condition of the weaver. So sure. then it becomes more about the pitiful condition of the weaver rather than the skill of the weaver. And for our brand, it's very important to show the skill of the weaver. And I want the consumers to buy the product because of the skill of the weavers and not because of the pitiful condition of the weaver. Most of the brands around the country are all about, hey, look at how badly the weaver is living, how badly the weaver is suffering. So you buy my product. But really, the really the amount is not even going to the weaver. Right. In my situation, I try and educate the people that whatever you're wearing has required X number of hours has required the weavers to experiment with this craft, with this skill, etc., which makes people really believe in the skill of the weaver. And like even like all your international brands actually do that, right? They all work with the skill of the weavers. They all work with the skill of the craftsmen, you know, as in, as in be it your Louis Vuitton, be it your Hermes, be it your Patek Philippe, etc. So that's that. So that is something that is really rooted into what we do because, like, we really are because of the artisans. The artisans are not because of us. If the artisans raise their hands, I mean, I really am nothing at this point in time. Right. So the idea is basically to empower them. Absolutely, and to actually, you know, uh, show their skills, display their skills to people. Fair. Okay. Um. You know, with the current wave of another lockdown, like we discussed, mm-hmm. um, are there any measures that you're kind of taking for them right now? Maybe you know, other designers or if someone from like a label is tuning in, maybe they could get some direction around the same. You know, to be very honest, this lockdown has just about begun, and we don't even know what's happening at this point of time. Um, it's just a weekend lo- weekend lockdown. So business had just about picked up at this point in time. Weavers had gotten bad. And now literally we're trying to figure out, I feel like when I do go back to Banasas, I'm like scheduled to go back very soon because, uh, you know, I mean, I feel like we might go into a more extended lockdown. We'll figure it out then what to do because like something or the other has to be done. But I'm just hoping this is the wave of, and anyway for us, you know, right now during the months of May, June and April, are dull months for our businesses. Hmm. So we really work on production for the season. So we're going to go as is. Because because the season is going to pick up eventually. Right. Okay. Um, you know, you've also been very selective when it comes to your collaboration. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it seems like a very careful sort of curation there. Um, you know, from like a Masaba to like a Misho. Tell me more about your thought process of factors that you consider before signing mm-hmm. in on a potential collaboration. You know, for me, um, collaborations are not so much about the name, but like getting a designer who's very experimenting. Yeah? So like someone who really play with textiles. Um, we always work with people who are going to have fun with textiles. Um, who also have a little bit of lack of knowledge with textiles, if I may say. So the minute, so the whole idea behind getting someone who does, who hasn't worked with textile earlier, huh, 
is to have them experiment and break boundaries. So let's say, for example, um, I call you for a collaboration and you have no ideas on how, what the technicalities of textiles are. You're going to ask me questions and you're going to be like, hey, Palak, is this possible? Hey, Palak, is that possible? Can I weave this onto it? Which expands my mind and which expands the weaver's mind in turn, right? So we're able to really create something different. And that's what Ikaya is known for. We're known for textile engineers. We're known to sort of create wonders with textiles. And that's why I work with people uh, who haven't worked with textiles much or who are actually doing some phenomenal work like Nisho. She created some beautiful textile jewelry for us. Masaba, the campaign was absolutely out of the world that we, that we created with like, you know, breaking stereotypes with regards to your saris. Or even for that matter, Ashtin when we got Parsi Gara on to weaving. There's always some form of textile innovation in whatever we do. You know, that's actually a very fresh take on collaborations because usually people are like, you know, we want to work with like-minded people and we kind of bring like skills to the table. But this one almost seems like you all bring your like individual scales yeah. to the table and then create something more beautiful which is no, amazing you know that's the whole idea right somebody because if in case i'm already creating something that's in the market what's the point of it the idea yeah, is to really break boundaries and to really create something extraordinary right are these collaborations also kind of a step forward um when it comes to putting the uh, brand on a global map yeah absolutely i feel like it's about putting the indian textile on the global map right and to sort of break uh, break boundaries and to show them as something really different and the fact that it's it's so versatile. Right. And um, would you have any tips for, say, entrepreneurs um, in the fashion space looking to grow their brand sort of beyond borders? Mm, I feel like you've got to create a global product. You know, you cannot, um, I feel like you cannot create a sari and, um, you know, and cater to an international audience because they will not be comfortable in it. Like, let's for example, I cannot expect a Beyonce to wear the sari because let's face it, it's going to be difficult for her to sort of wear the sari and to even carry it off, etc. But you can use the craft of your country to create something that she would wear because the whole idea is for your craft of your country to sort of move ahead rather than for your garment to move ahead. Right, okay, fair enough. Um, Palak, on a more personal note about you, um, how mm-hmm. much of Ekaya is inspired from your personal sense of style or aesthetic or, you know, vice versa? Like, how much of the brand is you? How much of you is the brand? Um, I think because I run it and I feel it's about 90 to 100% uh, because I'm really taking care of all the marketing, operations, strategy. Uh, my dad, of course, takes care of product, pro- product development. So the product development is, of course, his his side of things. But I feel like the like what the consumers see and the way they see Akaya is mostly me. So I feel like I'd say 80%. Right. And was it the same like when you started out? Like was it always your sense of style or is it something that's kind of evolved through the years? You know, uh, since I've always run the brand from the beginning, it's always been my sense of style. But my sense of style has also evolved. Right. And so has the brand evolved. So I've evolved with the brand and the brand has evolved with me. Right. Okay. Um, you know, this also made me wonder about like another aspect of say running the label in this case. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you kind of draw that line when it comes to uh, being experimental, whether it's about your product, whether it's about your strategy, whether it's about your design or say like a marketing um, sort of campaign that you're doing, like where do you sort of draw that line and be like, okay, this is, like, this is the point in which we experiment. Post this, it's it's a hard move. You know, to be very honest, I feel like, I feel like whatever I do, whatever experiment I do should come natural to me. So let's say, for example, even as a person, even I'm very experimentative, 
I'm not experimentative to, into, I mean, to the extent to shock the world. I'll create a statement when I'm experimenting. Also, sort of I'll turn eyes when I'm experimenting. But I will not create a shock value when I'm experimenting. So even with Ekaya, I don't do that because that just doesn't come naturally to me. And that's not my way of being either. Hmm. I will not sort of like create a sari which is worn in a weird way just because I want people to turn eyes. I will never create a campaign because, because you know, these things don't come naturally to me. It doesn't resonate with me. I can't create anything that doesn't resonate with me. I think it's also like pretty subjective to say um, someone running it or like even the brand. Um, Some Mm. people like to go, um, you know, all out and be like, okay, hey, here. Um, And then like I operate in a very safe sort of space most times. But It's not about safe. I think it's not about safe. It's about things resonating with you, to be very honest. I feel like, you know, I mean, there are lots of, you know, textile brands out there and even brands out there who create really state-of-the-art campaigns, right. which some, which some, which sometimes don't, don't resonate with me because my, maybe my intellect level or maybe my knowledge is not to where they are. Hmm. And, you know, um, so I don't want to create and imitate and be somebody I'm not. I mean, it's not called being safe. It's just being very comfortable in who you are and showing the world who you really are in your element. Because that's an example, you know, we've done this campaign in the middle, which is about hmm. Isma uh, Chaktai. So now even that campaign, I personally feel did not do justice to the campaign because my love for Isma Chaktai was not as deep as it should have been to sort of show in the campaign. Right. So, you know, till the time you don't really believe in a person, you don't really believe in a campaign, doing it for the market and to sort of fit in really defeats the whole purpose of the campaign because you're never able to execute it properly. But let's say, hmm. example, if I have to do a campaign based on how to wear a sari in a different way or to sort of show styling, that is something that will come very natural to me. Right. Because that's really who I am. Yeah, that, that makes for a fair point, actually. Okay, um, coming back to the current situation, um, it's almost a no-brainer that, you know, going digital is sort of um, imperative right now. Um, your mm-hmm. digital stores will always be open if, God forbid, you know, your physical store isn't. According to you, are there any sort of mistakes takes that brands should completely avoid um, with their communication or on their social media digital platforms right now you know uh, you know yesterday we were having a conversation at our store and we were, you know in the beginning of covid i know we were all being very cautious of not to try not trying to push sales too much or not trying to push this too much but at this point in time i feel like there are no rules of the game because like covid is not a new game for us you know, COVID is not going anytime soon. And every every consumer is also very cognizant of the fact that everyone needs to make money and everyone is scrambling at this point in time to make money. So I feel like there are no rules or there are no advices. I feel like whatever seems right to the brand, the brand should do it. Because like, I remember the beginning, everyone was like, oh, don't push sales so much or don't do this so much, don't do that too much. But at this point in time, like really, I mean, like, you know, a lot of shopkeepers are suffering as are, as are a lot of consumers as well. People are dying as well. But people are also dying because of starvation, the financial crisis, because of a lot of other things. So I feel like whatever helps them sort of push their business and whatever strategy helps, they I think they should try. Right. Um, okay, talking about digital mediums, um, I've always sort of found like the Ikaya photo shoots like very unique and very aesthetically Thank pleasing you. and very contemporary at the same time. And I know most Thank brands you. might not you know, have the resources to do like a full-blown photo shoot right now, but whenever they mm-hmm. get to it, um, what mm-hmm. is your top checklist to ensure like a great photo shoot? You know, um, you know, when I when I did begin the brand, it was all about the mood. 
it's all hmm. about sort of like the mood that was being created it was sort of like to show a certain emotion to show a certain thing but over time you know through my experience and and by through like mistakes and my learning what i did i've moved more towards really showing the textile a lot more hmm. so for me it's all about showing the skill of the artisan again so let's say example i am not showing what the model is feeling i'm not showing what i am feeling i'm showing what the textile is all about so in my recent photo shoots you'll always see that the textile has a lot of focus right you know it's all about sort of like and also i mean like what went behind making the collection what mood went behind making the collection what sort of the viewer was feeling what i was feeling and like really doing justice to the textile so that's my mantra behind every photo shoot that i do and also i try and bring a level of happiness to the shoot these days hmm. because like in because there's so much mobility going on at this point of time i like to sort of bring like as like when someone looks at the feed they should feel happy Right. you know as Very opposed important. to feeling yeah. you know as opposed to feeling morbid and as opposed to feeling that oh my god another sad campaign has come right okay um i have one last question before um you know we move to the next phase of the interview um but mm-hmm. what is your take on the role of immersive technologies like ar and vr in the world of fashion and retail right now Um, I think it's a great idea. To be very honest, I feel like with COVID etc. coming in and with like people sort of also sitting at home and like with, I feel like it's a great idea to capture consumers from far wide. So I think it's a great idea. And but I also feel like the whole idea of touch and feel goes away. Hmm. And we're all about sort of the experience of touch and feel. We're all about sort of the experience of buying a sari. But I'm sure with technology, we'll also innovate and we'll try and get them to sort of uh, get that experience with them somehow or the other. Right. So I feel like I feel like anyway, you know, somebody you can't fight innovation, you can't fight technology, you have to adapt to it. Right. You know, you can also you you can have the best of both worlds. You can have the technology and you can have your real touch and feel experiences. Right. I think even we had like a really hard time like initially when we started off with Mirar which was almost like two and a half years back. Um mm-hmm. you know jewelry was anyway a a kind of business which is very traditional and conventional in its own way right like it's also being passed mm-hmm. on from one gen to the other. So to first tell them to go digital and then you know take it one step ahead and be like oh hey why don't you also do virtual try-ons it was quite like a conversation in itself. Um no and I feel yeah. like we're learning yeah. Yeah, you know, I feel like we're learning, and which is which is the best thing one can do. Right, everyone's just sort of like getting there, like slowly but like gradually. Yeah, I mean, like what else can you do? Yeah, you gotta do your best. Right, hundred percent. Okay, uh, I'm just gonna move to the last section now. It's called high five. It's a quick rapid fire round. So let me know when you're ready. Whenever you want. <laughs> okay, amazing. Um, what is your survival mantra as a brand right now? One day at a time. Okay, one designer, Indian, or someone from the global scene you'd love to collaborate with. Hmm, I'm trying to think at this point. I'm who do I want to collaborate with? I feel an Hermes. Okay. Um, the one aspect that you love about every Ikea store. Hmm, I love the whole decor of it. I love the whole actually. Actually, I love the whole tranquility around it. I feel it's it just has a very spa-like uh, element to it, and I don't know what creates it, but something creates it. True, it's an experience. Yeah. Um okay what is your number one tip to all homegrown labels in retail right now stick to who you are i feel it's very important stick to really who you are what you believe in and that will i think make you distinct from everybody else right okay what is your favorite way to detox hmm workout 
how how are you doing this <laughs> you know i'm a maniac i swear to god i'm at uh, my gym box fit at all kinds of times so i feel like what's disappointed me the most in this lockdown is that my gym is shut like i was just really upset i was like i'm like you cannot do this but yeah my way of detoxing is working out that's amazing you know i hope that one day i get there because like it's it's exactly the opposite for me like i i have literally forced myself my entire life to work out so for me it's really? not just like i i feel like i'm emotionally draining myself when i'm working out and i hate it because i still have to do it <laughs> <laughs> no i love working or i think i think i think that's one thing i'm obsessed with that's amazing okay fab yeah. thank you so much palak for being on uninterrupted good luck for thank everything you. that you do you to samriddhi and take care of yourself and be safe thank you so much and i hope you your loved ones everyone at akai everyone remains uh, well and safe and like home thank you very much thank you so much all right bye bye For everyone who tuned in today, thank you so much for taking the time out and listening to our conversation. If this conversation struck a chord with you, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and share this with your friends and family. If you have a take on the topic we discussed or if you'd like to share some feedback, please feel free to write to me. I'm going to catch you next week with yet another uninterrupted conversation. Have a great evening ahead.